This episode has been brought to you by Soul Tribe Publishing House. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soul Sister Sunday Podcast. This is Kim. And this is the S of the Soul Sisters, Jay. We are gathered here today to talk about one of our favorite books. We are bringing it in as a church service on a Sunday. So put your church hats on, bring out your fans, and we're going to jump into it. But before we jump into it, we decided to pull a card from our favorite deck, the Four Agreement deck by Domingue Reese, because it sounds like a Latino name, so I'm going to read it in Espanol. As we have done in previous episodes, we will post the card and its beautiful content on our Instagram. The card that we pulled was, don't take anything personally, love and respect yourself. And in the front of the card is a person hugging themselves and it looks like they have a heart on their chest and they're surrounded by a heart glowing shape and it looks like a bunch of green grass in front of it and in the back of it it says you are never responsible for the actions of others but you are responsible for you if someone is not treating you with love and respect it is a gift if they walk away from you you may hurt for a while but your heart will eventually heal. Ooh, now Kimberly, what do you think about this card? That's a very interesting card, especially thinking about learning to love ourselves. We talk a lot about loving ourselves and self-care and the process of that. We do have to, unfortunately, let some people go. And that's tough, hard to deal with. So I think that card is bringing it back to our divine selves, to love ourselves, take care of ourselves, and then also not taking things personally. It's tricky. It's hard to not do that, but that's very important to learn and it'll help you live an easier life. So that's what I think of the card. That puts us right into the mix of these four agreements, but let's back it up a little bit, guys. Before we get started digging deep as we usually do, let's go ahead and get our shovels first. And by getting our shovels, meaning let's explain to the listeners how we got to creating this idea of having this type of episode? Well, I think it's kind of obvious that we talk about the book a lot or we mention the four agreements a lot. I would say, yeah, in every episode, it came up at least once. So, (laughs) and... (laughs) We are part of the four agreement cult. Let us know if you want to be a part of it. We charge $5 for application fees. (laughs) (laughs) Not refundable. (laughs) Not refundable, yeah. And if there's an inconvenience, we'll add a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) And I also want to add on to that too, besides us really talking about it and trying to follow this guide. There are other podcasts out there that have tried to talk about the book. And one that we recently listened to didn't do the book any justice. It started off talking about the book and somehow ended up on body parts of a woman, which is not related to the book at all. So (laughs) we thought we'll give it a try and giving more detail and tell how we feel about the book. Give the book the needed space and capacity to live on. While I was preparing for this episode, I did go on to Spotify and try to look other people up that actually talked about the book. And surprisingly, there's not a lot of people in podcasting world that have taken on this adventure. And I find that to be almost as an injustice to the book and to its teachings, because 
this does need to have wings and it does need to soar high and above and everywhere. So listeners, by all means, please get yourself a copy of the book. If you want to read it, eBay is a place, Amazon, your local library, free.com, libraries, support your local libraries. You can get it in audiobooks if you don't want to read. You can listen to it. Or you can get a copy from a fellow friend that might have one. And boom, you have the four agreements in your life. All that to say, there are many different ways to find this book. And we highly recommend it. Yes, we do. Now let's get back into the nitty gritty. Kimberly, how did you come across this book? Tell us. The fact you keep calling me Kimberly is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) The way that I found this book was through you. It's been, I want to say maybe two years, two and a half years, you have been telling me about this book. Every chance you got, you bought it up. Have you read it yet? Have you looked into it yet? And the form agreements that said this, have you read it? Like you kept putting it out there. And I kept putting it on the back burner. Mm. until maybe last spring was it last spring or last winter around that time i finally used the amazon what is it called kindle audiobook audiobook who the hell's kindle i finally used the amazon audiobook with your permission because you allowed me to use your account and i listened to it and it took me a couple of days to listen to it only because i kept stopping and handling other things but I remember listening to it as I was working out in my living room, listening to it while I was driving. At one point, I purposely took a long drive so I can stay in my car and listen to it. And I loved it. So all that to say, it's because of you, I learned about the four agreements. Don Miguel Reese, we invite your spirit onto this podcast. Please bless us. You heard Kim say she loves it. I love it. You know I do, Dummy Get Reese. <laughs> well, now that we know how I found the book, thanks to you, how did you come about or find the book? Well, it goes back to my early, early ages of 12, 13 when I first saw the book. And I remember thinking, wow, that's a very interesting title of the actual art cover. It has never changed. In as many editions, it has never changed. And When I picked it up when I was around that age, I didn't understand it. And I didn't think that it was much of anything. So I put it back. But I do remember the cover. So when I became older and I became an adult, I saw the book again. And I kept asking myself, what are these four agreements? What what does that mean? What is this? What, What agreements? And so much so that not too long ago, maybe less than five years ago, I looked for this book, but the first book that I found was The Five People You Need in Heaven, which was very similar to the four or five. I'm like, oh, what is this? Why are people all of a sudden four or five? What's going on? So I read The Five People You Need in Heaven, loved it. And I think that book prepared me to read The Four Agreements. I finally read the book, fell in love with the book, listened to the book, fell in love with the listening of the book. I heard reviews on YouTube to try to get other people's senses of the book. And it wasn't until I was in a very deep state of mental health issues that I listened to the book one last good time and it hit me. All the 
beauty of the book or the beauty of the words Don Miguel Ruiz's way of putting things together really hit me and it dawned on me that this book is heaven is I would consider it the bible of people who are not religious just because it's that weighted for me and anytime I feel as if I'm out of alignment I'll listen to this book again and it saps me back into alignment it saps me back into the ability of everything that it teaches so how I came about this book many different paths many different turns but it found me and in every turn it found me and I have been so in love since I found it and I read it that as Kim told you guys I tell everybody to read this book. If you don't want to read it, listen to it. If you don't want to listen to it, go YouTube it. There's five minute explanations of it. Of course, I don't think five minute explanations do it justice. You really have to listen to it, intake it, sleep with it, eat with it, do exercises with it. You have to because it's such a powerful book that I cannot stress this enough. Read the book. It is a quick read. It's not that big of a book. I know I said it took me three days to listen to it, but that's because I kept stopping and getting distracted with other things. But if you actually sit down and read it, maybe two, two and a half hour stops. Oh, that depends on your reading level too and how fast you read because audio book, for me, it, this book is about an hour and some change, <laughs> but I also listen to it on crackhead speed. So it depends on how fast you read it. It's a small book. The version of the book that I have has a total of 140 pages from start to end. So 140 pages of not even fine print is such a small portion of life that can change your perception of the rest of your life. I think that's worth it. Yes, I would agree with you. I think it's really worth it. I noticed after I read the book, I did try my best to stick to the agreements and follow them and in the book without giving it away. He also mentions that if you were to fall off of the agreements or not stick to them, it's okay to forgive yourself, pray about it and start over. So I've been doing a lot of that lately. Ooh, that's so beautiful. Listeners, we're not trying to give away the book in this episode. This is not a sparksnotes.com type of situation. But it is a sophisticated version of that, a different edition, because once again, we are true believers of the four agreements. This podcast started with the four agreements being at the center. We do our friendship in a way that we are trying to follow these four agreements in our way of dealing with each other that I think does benefit how we have outpour our friendship into this podcast and I hope you guys agree with us or enjoy this episode because Kim and I are really excited to talk about it. And we're so happy to include this in our first season of our podcast. Without giving it away, because we want them to read it and experience it for themselves. What's a way to quickly describe this book? Like other than the four agreements, how else would you describe it? I would describe it as a path to personal freedom, a guide to personal freedom. If you are having struggles in realizing or trying to figure out how you as a person should move in a vast, big, giant world of society that we are a part of, then this is the book that can help you. If 
you think you are certain about the life that you are living and you want to challenge that or you want to see if you're doing well in life, this book is for that. I think anybody who is self-aware or wants to become self-aware, this should be the first stop where you read this book and see how much your life is aligning with the perceptions that are seen in this book. That's how I would describe it for anybody that's asking me. Now, Kim, what's your two cents? So the way that I would describe this book, it's definitely a way to change your way of thinking. It makes you question a lot of your actions and a lot of your thoughts. And it also helps you to look at people in a different light without being so judgmental and without having your nose turned up in the air at them. It's Mm. a way of having a certain freedom about yourself. We're never really free. We know that, but we could be free in our mind and that helps us manifest and do better things in life. Mm. So if you're looking for a way to have more of a positive outlook on things, or you're looking for a way to uplift yourself, this would be a great place to start. The upliftment part, the change of mind part. If you are struggling with negative thoughts or just lower vibrational thoughts, this book definitely shifts your mental state and it makes you question yourself too. And it, the way it presents itself, it gives you empowerment to know that you can do anything that you put your mind to. And that's so beautiful because we don't hear it enough from the people around us. But this book gives you that ability to not need to hear it from the people around you. And I think that's empowerment at its finest. I wish I found this book sooner. I know you bought it to me two years ago and I drug my ass about it. But (laughs) I wish I would have found this book when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. So what I'm going to do with my copy, even though it's been highlighted and things like that, I'm going to give it to my daughter to read, especially at this age of being a preteen and social media and kids around you talking crazy and having that changes in your body that can mess with your self-esteem and your self-image. This would be a great book for her to read. So I'm definitely going to pass it on to her. Yes, that is so true. The more we know, the more we want to give to our children or people around us. I would even go as far as saying, gifted to the people around you. I know you guys heard me say it that I tell everybody. I sent this book on audiobook to everyone that I know because (laughs) when you have Audible, you can send one free book and it doesn't charge the person that's getting it and they can listen to it. So I'm always sprinkling this book in people's lives because I don't know how it will affect someone else's life and I don't know how they will perceive it. But it's not my responsibility to figure it out. My responsibility is to continuously share love and move in love as Don Miguel Ruiz has advised me to do. Before we get into the agreements, I will like to take some time to look at the chapter before the agreements. I would like to talk about domestication and the dream of the planet. Because even though this book is great for the four agreements, the chapters in between the four agreements are so powerful to me that I just love those parts now Kimberly how did you feel about what Don Miguel Reese had to say about domestication and the dream of the planet to start the book off with that it definitely set the tone for the rest of the book and even with just the few little pieces that he said in there it made me start to look at the world a little different mm-hmm. we're talking about domestication and how he mentions there's light and dark and everything and basically it's a lot to do with the mental and how you perceive it 
So I thought that was an interesting way to start. The smoking mirror, that part, the introduction really took me out. I love that little section. It's literally four pages of beautiness, of wonderfulness. That part set the tone for me to think of my spirituality. When he talked about a man who went in, into a cave and saw that he was everything. He was light. He was darkness. He was the stars. He was God. And then he tried to tell everybody around them, you are God too. And nobody believed them. That is so beautiful. And the way that Don Miguel Reese explained it was because we are caught up in our own fog that we can't see the divinity of each other. That right there made my whole life possible up to this day. I enjoyed that idea that I think that everybody is divine, but they cannot see their divinity because of their own agreements, which has very little to do with me and how they perceive me and my own divinity. It's grace. It's grace. And in a way, it's humbling. Yes. If you really think about it, and it wasn't like he said in a rude way, he said in a very spiritual, very gentle way. But the way it's presented makes you rethink a few things and it kind of brings you back down to earth like, okay, maybe I am doing things wrong or maybe I do need to realize that this person, that person, we're all together in this. So I found it very humbling. Yes, I love when he said, I am made of light, I am made of stars. Yes, we are made of light, we are made of stars. In this podcast, we have talked about how we have DNA stardust in us. So for us to believe this that the four agreements is saying this and compare it to science hello one plus one equals two and two plus two equals four <laughs> and kim and jay equals so sister sunday's podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay we didn't come here to do algebra let's move on <laughs> <laughs> thank you dummy get race <laughs> listeners I love this book. And if I could talk about this book for 14 hours, I would, even though it took me about one hour to read it. <laughs> you know what I really enjoyed about the domestication and the dream of the planet? It spoke to me about society's expectations versus our own expectations and how we were domesticated at an early age and we didn't have the ability and the autonomy to change the way that we were brought up in domestication. But as an adult, we have the duty to change those agreements. That's really what I took from it. And also it drove the point home of if you're not a healed person or if you're not in a healing path, that's your choice. No one else's choice. So if you want to be a victim to the circumstances that you have been placed in your life, the cards that you have been dealt, that's your choice, not anyone else's choice. He did mention a lot how we as children we're domesticated in the same way that you'll domesticate an animal with punishment and reward. Mm. And we tend to stick to that. And with sticking with that, that causes us to have these negative thoughts and stick to these unfortunately unhealthy ways as adults. So I do like that he made that comparison because to me, that was like an oh shit moment. Like we are. Mm -hmm. And last time I checked, I don't walk on all fours. So there's something I need to do about this. Mm -hmm. Yes, I really enjoyed how he labeled victim, judge, and us in the middle of it. It made me think about the conversation that you and I had a long time ago when we were talking about translation conflicts and how everyone in a conflict always takes one side. You either are the victim or you're the judge or you are the person in the middle. And this book really brought it back home. Like, you don't have to be either. You don't have to be neither. You could just be the star in the middle 
hanging out, living your life. <laughs> Minding your business. Exactly. In this section talks about how we are not free because we choose not to be free. We choose to live life in fear. And therefore we say that we are living, but we are not living because we are fearful and life is not meant to be fearful. Life is to live. And that really summed up so many of my perceptions on how I choose to live life and how I choose to not allow negative things or negative emotions or negative circumstances to try to bring me down. Instead, I'll shake it up and go do something that is fun for me, that will be an experience for me to change that agreement. And also when he talks about how we follow this book of law, even though there's a lot of fear behind it, we feel safe. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about how we, as humans, it's a habit. We live in fear from time to time. We do that. Sometimes we can't help it, especially if you're like an anxiety-driven person like me. Mm. Fear can take over pretty quick and you'll sit your ass down. Mm. But that's when you have to, again, follow your own beliefs, get out of your head and just give it a try. So that's how I could get to. Another part of this section, like I said, this section was so powerful, just as the intro was as powerful. It says here, true justice is paying only once for each mistake. True injustice is paying more than once for each mistake. And that drove it home for me. As a person who struggles with depression, I struggle with that repeat, that circling back around and around and around for the things that have been unjust in my life and when I first read this book it almost drug my whole head of hair out of my head because I saw myself I saw my struggle I saw my depression in that and that's when I started trying to rechange that try to take myself out of that because I don't want to continuously punish myself for things that have been injustice to me or that I have to replay in my mind because of my chemistry in my brain that allowed me to see myself and I love that that's beautiful and I think others when they read the book or if they have read the book they will have that moment as well I love the way that he talks about hell I know we talked about it briefly about heaven and hell But he describes hell being a thing that we are already in. That we, each other, are either creating in each other or allowing other people to be in because of the things that we're doing. And that made me feel, yeah, we have willpower to figure out where we want to be in life. And I think this is one of them. When he said that about hell being right here on earth and how we create our own versions of hell and things like that. The first thing I thought about is how people who live in chaos or people who are always caught up in drama, it's because they created it themselves. They're used to being in this hell-like mindset or being involved in some type of trouble. They create their own hell. And those are the type of people who need this book so they can get out of hell. Well, he did say it. He, He said, if you consider hell as a state of mind, then hell is all around us. So if these people are considering their hell as a state of mind, then they're already there. And that's so unfortunate. I don't want to be in hell. And this book really was like, hey, you could be in hell if you want to. And I'm like, no, sir, take me to a ticket uptown. 
it's almost like this book is like okay you can recognize when you're headed towards hell mm-hmm. but you have to apply whichever agreement or agreements to get away from that that's how i feel about it yes it's yes the way he said it towards the end of this conversation this topic it says it is possible to enjoy a pleasant dream that right there is the most powerful line like yes it is possible for you to create the life that you deserve the life that you want but also the mental capacity mental state that you deserve and want that is possible and the ability for him to say it and put it on the book and writing and this book was written in the 1952 this book is old <laughs> it's old but it still applies to today and that's one of the great things about this book regardless of how old it gets as long as people are living and people are going through shit this book could be really helpful he does say this we keep searching and searching when everything is already within us this idea is something that spirituality and the four agreements align in that yes we do have everything we need we just have to figure out how to get it out of those pockets of domestication that have been suppressed and we have been victims of but also understand how to label them and relabel them so they can work to our benefit. I want to talk about this situation too because in this domestication in the dream of the planet he talks about how even though we do have the ability to create our own reality and our own expectations of the world we sometimes fall into these pits of being abused by others. And I thought this situation was very interesting. He says, but nobody abuses us more than we abuse ourselves. And it is the judge, the victim and the belief system that makes us do this. Whole life, nobody has ever abused you more than you have abused yourself. And the limit of your self-abuse is exactly the limit that you will tolerate from someone else. If someone abuses you a little more than you abuse yourself, you will probably walk away from that person. But if someone abuses you a little less than you abuse yourself, you will probably stay in the relationship and tolerate it endlessly. Wow. That right there is such an impactful statement to me that the first time I read it, it made a whole world of difference. I grew up in a situation where I was constantly abused and I went into another situation romantically where I was abused as well and it didn't dawn on me that I had control over that because I was domesticated to believe that abuse was a part of love and this book tore that agreement apart for me and I cannot be thankful enough. When I read that part of the book just starting off by saying that we are abusing ourselves more than others abuse us the first thing i thought about is all the negative self talk that people do and how we tend to be hard on ourselves for not having this or not accomplishing that and then going on to say that too that makes us think less of ourselves that lowers our value mentally and we go around thinking that we deserve the bare minimum mm-hmm. and i know you said you compared it to you growing up in that unfortunate situation and then getting into a romantic situation that was pretty similar but again it started because of you not knowing your worth and not knowing your value and yes. you just stuck with it so that's what i got from that part and also mentions that it's hard to walk away from it especially if it's a little less than the previous abuse but it's still abuse nonetheless mhm yes he ends up saying this which i think drives us to the four agreements. He says the agreements that come from fear requires to expend a lot of energy, but the agreements that come from love help us conserve energy and even gain extra energy. I think that the four agreements are agreements that come from love and not fear. 
And he also mentions the necessity for you to have strong willpower to have these four agreements as a part of your life and a way of centering your perception in your journey in life. And I think that is such an important thing to take away from this. Yes, we can talk about the four agreements all day, every day. But if you don't have the willpower to put them into play into your life and be accountable to them, they're not going to manifest any difference. Like he says, you got to have very strong willpower in order to adopt the four agreements. It sounds easy at first. I'm not going to lie. Speaking from personal experience, the first week, week and a half, that shit was a breeze. But then I started to fall off and then I had to pray and think about it, maybe listen to a couple parts of the book again. So it's easily done in your head, but to practice that in the real world is where the real challenges will come. It can be done. Yes, that right there. He says it earlier on in the book that everybody has their different perceptions of life as we know. But at the same time, we can all challenge ourselves to change just a little bit of our agreements, just a tiny bit, and see the transformation. Because that transformation will become our momentum to personal freedom, to seeing life for what it is and its love. That's all. All that's to say, between the introduction and the chapter about domestication, it's a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's a quick read, but it's a lot. And it's helpful, even if it's those little pieces that we mentioned. Now, before we get into the four agreements, I do have a question for you, Kimberly. And I may have an answer. The four agreements, Don Miguel Reese introduces the concept of domestication. What are some examples of how you were domesticated in your childhood? And if you are a parent, what are the ways in which you are domesticating your child? I can think of six just okay. from hearing that question. But Can I'll give you one. Two. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, being a girl, a person of a female body, there were certain rules that we had to follow to be considered ladylike or accepted. One of those was the way we dress. My mom had a lot of say so on how we had to dress, and my dad had a lot of say so too. If I wore skirts, they had to come at my knee. Anything above my knee was frowned upon and looked at being hoochie, fast, whatever the term was back then. So I really grew up thinking that little girls should not wear skirts above their knees. Little girls should not wear shirts showing all their cleavage when they finally grow breasts. Like I was really stuck in that mind state. And sure enough, I get you want to protect your child and make sure they look presentable. But forcing these certain outfits and certain looks on a girl at an early age can be very damaging. They'll grow up thinking that they can't have a tomboy day or they can't have a lazy day and wear sweats. So that's one way I was domesticated. Mm, that's a whole lot of domestication <laughs> happening. Side question. And I know I gave you two questions, but my question uh-huh. now is how has that agreement shifted over your adult years? And has it shifted? Have you rewritten that agreement? Yes, I have. It took me a while to rewrite it. I went through a phase of being rebellious. And that's the thing too with domestication. If it's too harsh or too much of a task, people will find a way around it and rebel. And the way I used to rebel was changing my clothes as soon as I got far enough away from the house. Or when I get to school, wear certain shirts when I shouldn't wear them, knowing that if I put on a hoodie over it, they won't call my mom and tell on me. So that right there created a whole sneaky life. But (laughs) Mm. the way that I changed it with my child, I let her wear what she wants. And we do have an agreement that 
not too much arm. He's still too young for belly tops. A little bit of a chest showing, but if I can see too much cleavage, the shirt has to go. You don't have to wear pink. You don't have to wear yellow. You don't have to wear sandals if you don't want to. I give her more freedom of how she wants to dress. Especially now she's going through a phase of the whole emo dark look. Not every day, but most of her clothes are in that category. I try not to stress it. I don't. I understand that there are some days when she wants to wear chokers and arm warmers. I understand there are some days where she may want to wear sweats and a white t-shirt. I'm not going to sit here and force my child to dress a certain way because she's a girl. That doesn't make sense to me. So that's Ooh. how I'm changing it. And then within myself too. I wear what the fuck I want to wear when I want to wear it. Now, if I'm going out, I'll put on lashes. I'll put on a little lipstick. I'll get cute. But on a normal day, I'm probably in sweats. I'm probably in shorts. I may have on gym shoes. I may have on a baggy tee. It depends on how I feel. Just because I'm not walking around showing off every little curve of my body does not make me less of a woman. Ooh. So we both have been <laughs> working on that. Oh, that's so interesting. When I first heard you say that, I thought about patriarchy and the condemning of a female body in, in today's society and how that's part of the world's dream to have the female body be condemned because if god forbid you show an elbow you are too over sexualized and how dare you show that elbow and how dare you show your knees excuse you it's a female body sir never seen one ma'am <laughs> i will hope so at some point in your life you should have saw one <laughs> Ooh, if not you, there's always services that can get you what you need <laughs> But that's one way I have been domesticated with the way I'm supposed to look as a woman. And another way I got into this whole domestication thing with my family, I would say people pleasing is a form of domestication. I was always looked at as the good child, the one that didn't give me any trouble, the one that gets straight A's, the one the parents praised on. So that had me stuck in this idea that I always had to do good. I always had to get straight A's or maybe a B once in a while. And I stuck with that for a very long time. And that fucked with my head. I grew up not knowing how to stand up for myself or do what I wanted to do because I wanted to make sure that I made the next person happy. Ooh, so you're saying the impeccability of other people's words created an agreement in you where you were unable to meet yourself. The impeccability of their words as well as their expectations and not wanting to let them down. Ooh, and that's so, hard on a child, especially mm -hmm. growing up with nieces and nephews and cousins and having siblings and getting compared to them. Oh, you're smart, just like your older sister or your little sister is always in some shit. I'm glad you're not like her. It may be intended to be a compliment, but as a child, my mind processed that differently. So I try to stay in the background with a lot of shit and not really go out and do what I wanted to do. Oh, this really makes me think about Don Miguel Reese in the first agreement where he says that our words are magic and people can use words as white magic or black magic because the word that you're using is a seed in that fertile ground wherever it lands. And it sounds like as a child, our soil is very fertile. Why? Because we're new to the planet. We're new to this experience. And anything that we hear, we take it and we sow it and create these giant trees in our head based upon those agreements that people have placed upon us and their beliefs and their expectations of us. And that is damaging. People don't realize that they do it. That's the hard part. But once you come to realization of that, put it to a halt. 
he does say that people don't realize what they're doing and you can't really blame someone because they don't know what they do but i also think that's a cop out so don't get reese i love you but some parts of this this sounds like a cop out <laughs> this, this don't sound right <laughs> Okay, and that's the thing about the book too. There may be certain parts of the book that we may not agree with. This is just him speaking from his beliefs and what he went through. So it's okay to not agree fully with all the agreements. Yeah. Before we continue on, do you know how he came to having this book? I don't. So the story is that he had gotten into a really bad car accident and he barely made it. And when he barely made it, that's when he had a spiritual awakening. And in his spiritual awakening, it goes back to the introduction. He saw himself out of his own body and he saw how much divinity he was that when he got himself better and became healthy again, he really took on the path of following these agreements. And I think that is beautiful. And of course, this needs to be said because he's no longer with us and he is still impacting people. So I say too, this is something that's gonna carry on for a long time, especially with the way the world is going. They may need this book now more than they needed it back in 1952 when it got published. <laughs> now, what does it mean to be impeccable with your word? We know that the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. But what did you get from that? Because my first question when I read this was, what is impeccability? What does that look like? So being impeccable with your word, in my opinion, is being very careful what you say and making sure that it's a clear, positive message. When you think about being impeccable, you think about being without flaw, without error, clean, very crystal clear. We tend to say things that are not like that. They're dirty, they're foul, they're hurtful, and that serves nobody any justice. It may make your ego feel good because you got to say some nasty things about someone, but at the end of the day, that did nothing for you. I also love his description of it. It reads, impeccability means without sin. Impeccable comes from the Latin word peccatus, which means sin. The im in impeccable means without. So impeccable means without sin. A sin is anything that you do which goes against yourself. Everything you feel or believe or say that goes against yourself is a sin. You go against yourself when you judge or blame yourself for anything. Being without sin is exactly the opposite. Being impeccable is not going against yourself. When you are impeccable, you take responsibility for your actions, but you do not judge or blame yourself. That is so beautiful and such an easy way to describe impeccability. Yes, it's true that sometimes we get into the heat of the moment and words fly out of our mouth. Even though we're older, we should be more responsible. That is true. I also think that being impeccable with your word is accepting that you had said something and you take responsibility for it, but as well, you forgive yourself for it and you don't repeat it. So accountability and forgiveness is involved yes. in that. Yes. What did you think about this chapter and how that relates to you and your life and your experience in the world? Not to sound like I'm always saying mean things or always. Mm -hmm. She abusing me guys. Mm-hmm. I call bullshit, but <laughs> <laughs> when you grow up with people constantly criticizing and constantly judging the next person and constantly gossiping, like all of these things you grew up surrounded by, you think that shit is normal. Mm. So yes, I gossip 
unfortunately. Yes, I may have said some nasty things about people. It's a female out there right now. She walk in this room and say something negative about her and I can stand in that truth. So yes, it relates to me a lot. And that chapter made me realize how much I do it and why I need to stop and how much saying those things can hurt other people in ways that I'm not realizing. Oh, but you know what? When you say that, I heard Don Miguel Reese say, you are sending poison, but you don't realize that that poison is only poisoning you. He's right. He's absolutely right. He talks about that aspect of gossiping and negative talk as black magic. And I love that idea because it's so true. We talk about how words are magic. Our impeccability of word is our magic. And therefore, when we are gossiping and telling people about themselves and how we truly feel about them, we are sending that poison right back to us. So to me, I don't want to be poisoned by myself. Thank you very much. I agree with you. Sometimes we are not as impeccable as we should be, but it's a learning process. And through this book, you, we learn grace too in that. And I think that's so beautiful. It makes you more aware. So when you're speaking or having conversation, you'll notice that it's going down that road and you'll think of ways to reverse it and stop it. Yeah, I like this idea as well that he talks about how, yes, we are responsible for our word, but we're also not responsible for someone else's word. So let's say that Kim and I are fighting and I tell her, Kim, you bald-headed Kimberly. <laughs> And she knows she's not bald-headed. So that impeccability of the word is not doing anything for her because she knows the truth. She has a full set of beautiful, full black hair. That is her. So that reminded me of what he said. Impeccability of the word will also give you immunity from anyone putting a negative spell on you. So perfect example, me and Kimberly are fighting. I tell her, girl, you bald-headed. That's why you're not my friend no more. And she turns around and says, girl, bye. You see all this hair? <laughs> she broke that agreement. She broke the poison that I was sending her way. Or if we're going to look at it from both sides, maybe I do take that shit personal. And maybe I do believe, well, my hair isn't as long as it used to be. or It's not as thick as it used to be. Mm. And I start worrying and stressing. And now my hair is laying on the floor because I stressed it the fuck mm. out. So and we have to be careful mm. how we intake these things, too. Yep. And me as being a not good friend, that would be the perfect example of how I am not servicing a fellow person who I had a relationship with. And that is not being impeccable for myself and it's not helping her. So therefore, we're not doing justice to nobody. So there you have it with impeccability of the word. <laughs> it's like planting a seed. So you want to plant good seeds when you speak and good things will come back to you. I don't believe we mentioned it yet, but the four agreements also talks a lot about how we treat others to get the same treatment back. So if you follow these agreements and do well and have a whole loving experience with other people, that same energy will come back to you. Mm, it might not be from that one energy though. And that's another thing that I put a little asterisk around because it did say, if I love you, you'll love me. That's not always true. That you can vary. That you doesn't have to be the person that you are loving on that you can be somebody else that's loving on you because the world is shifting, frequencies change, frequencies are vibrations, and the universe can send someone else completely opposite of you to come love on you because you had sent that love out. So it's not of a quid pro quo type of situation. It's a send it out because it will find you. As we say on this podcast often, we try to move in love and we don't move in love to receive the love from the person that we are sending love to. We move in love because love creates 
so many more avenues of paths and abilities for us to continue to experience a good life. It makes me think about how people always say it starts at home. You're being loved on correctly at home and you have someone at home to show you the right way. You go out there and do it to someone else. And that someone goes out to do it to someone else. And that someone goes on, so on and so forth. Mm. It's a circle. It's a big chain reaction. Which leads us to and this part of this section of the book. You can attain the kingdom of heaven from this one agreement. Be impeccable with your word. I think that is so true. I think that's why he put it as the first agreement, because it's such a powerful one that if you gain experience and perspective and how to do this correctly, then a big portion of your life just lights up in a different way that you've never seen before. And you get surrounded by people that are living in that experience and in that light. And that's such a beautiful concept and experience to be a part of. I think that's what everyone deserves too. Mm. You deserve to have that light around you, but you can't be the black hole and have a bunch of light around you. That's going to dim the others. So mm. you have to go within yourself to find your light. Yes. All right. Which takes us to the second agreement. Don't take anything personally. Now, I will get started on this one because this one is... <laughs> this one's difficult. This one's a little bit trickier because so many questions arise. What do you mean don't take it personally? How can I look at life and not take it personally when it's happening for me? It's happening around me. It's happening in my experience. How could I not take it personally? So this chapter always makes me question and i love the questions that come out of this it's funny because you and i talk about this a lot how we shouldn't take things personal or how you tend to take things personal and i'll be like no nah, it's not even like that don't think like that hmm. so <laughs> when i read this section i think about you a lot Ooh, and it says it here too it says nothing other people do is because of you it is because of themselves and Another section that I highlighted, taking things personally make you easy prey for these predators, the black magicians. But if you do not take it personally, you are immune in the middle of hell. So I struggle with this idea of fluidity of don't take it personal. It's not about me. It's about them and their experience. I can be in heaven in the middle of all of this chaos and I can be the light but at the same time, the Chicago be coming out and I'm ready to shoot motherfuckers. Like, you got the wrong one today. Let me show you how hood I am. Because apparently you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean. However, this is where I say you and I are again different. Like you just said, you struggle with not taking things personally. I don't really find myself struggling with that a lot. Back then, I honestly didn't give a fuck. I was so nonchalant. It was hard for me to take things personal. So now as I got older and look at things a little different, I do struggle with it now, but I may not still take it in as strongly as most people would. So to me, don't take it personally is one of the easier agreements, especially when I tune into my don't give a fuck attitude. It may not be right, but that's how I deal with it. When I was reading this and I got to the part, even if someone got a gun and shot you in the head, it was nothing personal, even at that extreme. This sentence really reminded me of the situation with Nipsey Hussle and how there was mm -hmm. talk around the town when he got shot the first time. He got shot and he held himself and he looked at his shooter and said, it's all right, man, or something along the lines of, it's okay, it's not personal, I understand. And this person came back and shot him a few more times and ended up killing him. But I always think of him in that situation because Nipsey didn't take it personal. And that is the extreme. 
So who am I to not be him? <laughs> so that's my goal. <laughs> when he said that sentence, I was in here working out. And when he said that, I stopped and was like, what the fuck? Like, how am I not supposed to take it personally? Somebody just shot me. Right. But I get it. That right there. And then he goes on to the conversation that we have in our mind. It says, sometimes you hear a voice in your mind and you may wonder where it came from. That voice may have come from another reality in which they are living beings very similar to the human mind. And the ability for us to talk to ourselves and the ability for us to take how we talk to ourselves personally too was another layer of don't take it personally that I am not 100% in tune with just yet, but still working on. That could be hard. So even not just with you, but with others, that can take time. Especially think about how we grew up and how we was always on the defense about things and how we were taught to always try to poke our chest out. Mm. I can see why someone who grew up in a city or coming from a certain type of background, that agreement is going to drag them, but Mm. they'll get through it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Talking about don't take things personally. Lying. Also, don't take that personally, listeners. And that's a hard one for me, too. Which am I? <laughs> it says, whenever you go, you will find people lying to you. And as your awareness grows, you will notice that you also lie to yourself. Do not expect people to tell the truth because they also lie to themselves. And you have to trust yourself and choose to believe or not believe what someone says. I just think about people who are pathological liars. They yes. literally lie for no fucking reason. And again, okay... You dealing with some shit on your end that makes you want to lie. I don't know if you want to look important. I don't know if you're trying to stir up some shit. That's on you. I ain't got nothing to do with that. And that's the sign to remove yourself from that situation. Mm, That right there. He talks about that too. He talks about how it's okay for people to leave. And once, if someone is not treating you with love and respect, it is a gift if they walk away from you. If that person doesn't walk away, you will surely endure many years of suffering with him or her. Walking away may hurt for a while, but your heart will eventually heal. I think that is so powerful. Always remember that we have the ability to walk away from things that are no longer serving us. And we don't have to create a whole melodrama around it. We don't have to go on Facebook and talk about how much you healed since you dropped a person or didn't drop a person. That's not healing. That's not living in your life without sin. That's not doing you justice. You're living in the past and you're allowing this negative black magic to overcome your power and your blight. Well, that's a little bit of an ego boost, too. You know, people run to Facebook to brag about their healing and brag about doing this, that, and the third for that gratification, that validation, that pat on the back. So definitely, if somebody's posting on Facebook about this, that, and whatever, and it can relate to you and the situation with them, a perfect example of not to take it personal. Hmm. Block the fucking post or block the person and just keep scrolling. Keep scrolling, boo. And remember, you are the creator of your own reality. And I think that this book started that idea in the world. We are the creators of our own reality. And it's okay. We're allowed to leave people. People are allowed to leave us. It's not that because we are evil villains and we're out to get them. No, it's just life. Life moves on. (laughs) I think that's a part of not taking it personally. Don't take it personally when someone says, I don't want to be your friend no more. Okay, bye. See ya. Period. I don't want to be in a relationship with you no more. Okay, bye. See ya. Don't take it personally. It does hurt, right? I think that's part of our ego. That's part of our Mm -hmm. experience to gain that hurt. But let's learn or let's figure out how to ease the level of personally that we do take. 
Yeah, like you said, it hurts our fucking feelings sometimes. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, let's call it for what it is. It does hurt our feelings, especially when people are going out of their way to make it a big deal when it's not. And it reminds me of this book too. They're trying to place victim roles upon themselves and judges and accusers and all of the court case lawyers and advocates and all of that. <laughs> they're throwing them out there. They're being tossed. That's happening, and yet you're trying to figure out how not to take it personally. It's almost like they're trying to instigate you into their hell. They're trying to send black magic spells towards you. And yet you're trying to fend them off. And dang, sometimes it catches you off guard and you do take it personal. You do want to run up because once again, we were domesticated to do this type of reaction when things are happening. It is hard. It's hard. But I think this agreement combined with the first agreement, because the reason we take things personal is because of how it was worded to us or how impeccable it may have been so Mm. combining these two agreements you're off to a good start yes yes and he does mention it he does say if you do this you have mastered 75 percent of your ability to be free from the dream of the planet and that is beautiful i think this will always be my favorite agreement (laughs) let's go on to don't make assumptions don't make assumptions is a very difficult agreement to hold within yourself i don't know about you kim but this one was also difficult how can you not make assumptions about the things that are being shown to you Hmm? Hmm. first of all we are raised to make assumptions we're taught to make assumptions so yeah this one is another difficult one to not do and then also if you're a type of person like me who doesn't want always want to ask questions then honestly i hate the fucking question why i hate asking people why i hate when i get asked why So (laughs) instead of just asking, I tend to make assumptions. So this one can be difficult. It says making assumptions in our relationship is really asking for problems. (laughs) I just want to point that out. (laughs) But he's right, though. Think about all the times when not just you or other people around you have made assumptions and they were dead ass wrong and it started a whole fucking conflict. Here go this idea of hell on earth again. You just lit the fucking flame. So I get what he's saying. I know you say that you hate the question why. I actually love the question why because that allows for assumptions to be cleared. I work on clarity a lot and I love clarity. I love transparency in people. I understand that people lie. I understand that people may take things personally. I understand people may have experiences. But I think the more that you ask questions, the easier it is for you to understand your space and stance in someone's life and where they see you and how they see you because that creates less fog. We talk about how we're mirrors to each other and how we can't see each other because of the fog that's in between us. Well, let's clear that fog up by asking questions and not making assumptions. So as hard as this one is, I really enjoy this agreement because I agree, don't make assumptions. Please don't think about how I'm feeling about something or don't make a conversation up in your head about something you haven't even asked me about yet. How do you know I'm going to say yes? How do you know I'm going to say no? How do you know I'm going to say why? I may say what? (laughs) And I get all of that. And he talks about having clarity and being clear in our communication and getting our answers and not really living in this whole fantasy. That's fine. That's understandable. But damn it, that's not fucking easy. I know none of these agreements are easy, but for someone like me who tries to avoid certain conversations, it's really hard. And this goes to the conversation of some agreements are easier for some and some agreements are harder for some. And I think this is one of them where you and I are very different. 
he talks about how we go into relationships and make assumptions of people and mostly because we don't ask questions and that moment i thought of that and i thought about the many heartbreaks i could have not had if i had asked questions and not made assumptions he says this then you make an assumption and one of the assumptions is my love will change this person but this is not true your love will not change anybody if others change it's because they want to change not because you can change them real love is accepting other people the way they are without trying to change them if we try to change them this means we don't really love them and it is much easier to find someone who is already the way you want him or her to be instead of trying to change that person through questions and through not making assumptions we can filter out people that are not for us and that's not just romantically speaking that's on all facets of life again this goes back to the idea we're not in charge of other people right so we can't make them do things we can't force certain loves out of them says if you don't understand something it is better for you to ask and be clear instead of making an assumption the day you stop making assumptions you will communicate cleanly and clearly free of emotional poison without making assumptions your word becomes impeccable and i love the circling back to the first agreement and how they all relate to each other that makes me feel that this does have a space in today's world and in today's society and in my experience they all connect all these agreements lead to the other or circle back to the other which is why it's more of a routine to practice all of them at once if you can because they are all intertwined with each other all right so then that leads us to our fourth agreement and always do your best is the fourth agreement and i absolutely love this agreement kim what do you think about this this is another one of my favorite agreements i know i said don't take it personally was but this is my second favorite and with always do your best it talks more about instead of trying your hardest which were always told us kids under the domestication to always try your hardest trying your hardest is not always going to guarantee your best result you'll feel better about yourself when you do your best and sometimes your best looks different. Today's best may not be your best of tomorrow and that's okay. As long as you did your best is all that matters. I love that. I love how he talks about living in this one in this agreement and it says action is about living fully. Inaction is the way we deny life. Inaction is sitting in front of the television every day for years because you are afraid to be alive and to take the risk of expressing what you are. Expressing what you are is taking action. You can have many great ideas in your head, but what makes the difference is the action. Without action upon an idea, there will be no manifestation, no result and no reward. I just jump around, guys. You'll have to read it for yourself to find my quotes. But then he says God is life. God is life in action. The best way to say I love you God is to live your life doing your best. The best way to say thank you God is by letting go of the past and living in the present moment right here and now. Whatever life takes away from you, let it go. When you surrender and let go of the past, you allow yourself to be fully alive in the moment. Letting go of the past means you can enjoy the dream that is happening right now. That right there is such a beautiful I want to put a tattoo on my forehead. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> It's a great agreement, but don't go sticking it on your forehead. <laughs> that quote just brought it home for me. I love this idea of living life is doing our best. Do your best means so many different things. It means showing up for yourself. It means being accountable. It means being aware. And that level of awareness is also grace. 
you can have grace in how you show up every day. If you're having a lower vibrational day, great, awesome. You're still alive. You're still taking action. You know that you're having a low vibrational day. You're moving through it. That's God. That's your divinity. And I love that. That's something I try to tell the kids around me now, my daughter, my niece, all these children. As kids, we're always taught to try our hardest and do our hardest. We have to stop telling our kids that. Telling our kids that at such a young age is what creates these problematic adults now who are overworked and stressed out and all these other ailments. That's something I've been telling my daughter a lot of. And I understand that sometimes her best is just sitting there trying to collect her thoughts and she deserves to have those moments just like we should have them too. All that to say, start telling your kids to do your best instead of do your hardest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just changing that little narrative is such a big factor in how they see themselves. And he says here, the first few agreements will only work if you do your best, which I think is so important for listeners to hear. Don't expect you will always be able to be impeccable with your work. Your routine habits are too strong and firmly rooted in your mind, but you can do your best. Don't expect that you will never take anything personally. Just do your best. Don't expect that you will never make another assumption, but you can certainly do your best. And he says, by doing your best, you become a master. And by practicing these four agreements, you become a master of your life. And that is so beautiful. I think also with him saying do your best, it allows you to have some wiggle room for mistakes mm. because you're going to make mistakes. You're not a robot. You're not programmed to just go in a straight line. There's going to be times you get knocked off your square a little bit and that's okay. As long as you got knocked off knowing that you were giving it some type of effort, you're on the right path. Mm. Towards the end of this chapter, he talks about how we have to be warriors if we want to become part of these four agreements type of lifestyle and the warrior's goal is to transcend this world, to escape from this hell and never come back. Ooh, and that right there lets me know that this is a way of living. This is a manifestation of continuously wanting to incorporate these four agreements into our everyday life. Out of these four agreements, talked about the few that we can improve on and the few that we like in today's world with everything going on in the world. Which agreement do you think will benefit people the most? Be impeccable with your word. I say that because there's so many facets of that agreement that play into everyday life. The simple idea that the word is magic is enough for me to know that we are out here full of bad voodoo and bad juju <laughs> that we have casted upon each other and we don't know it and we're not accountable to it. And I think that if more people were to be impeccable with their word and truly understand what that meant, not only would we see people have better self-esteem, we would see better relationships happening and not just romantically. I'm glad you said not romantically. We have to remember too, even though we talk about your partner this, your partner that, you do have to practice these agreements to have a better foundation within your friends and your family too. Mm-hmm. So with the world yes. too, with a stranger, <laughs> you go out to the street, you go and have a glass of wine somewhere. You have to be impeccable in that scenario. You, you are surrounded by other people whose dreams they are living and you're dreaming your own. You have to be impeccable. We have a duty to each other 
we like to believe that we are here being individualized, blah, 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 blah. But no, we are all connected. Spirituality tells us we are all here. We are all part of each other's lives. We have to treat each other with a little bit more impeccability of the word, with a little bit more grace of the word, a little bit more white magic and a little less black magic. You, what's yours that you think the world needs more of? I would say the stop making assumptions. I know that's the one I said I struggle with because I don't like to communicate and things like that. However, that is something the world needs a lot of right now. Most of the stories that we see in the newspaper or see on Instagram are made up stories because of assumptions, because someone didn't want to answer a question or because someone didn't know how to properly ask a question. The world is chaotic right now because of all the fucking assumptions, because there's no clear answer to anything. And I think if we were to have a better understanding of each other and a better way of communicating, a lot of that shit would clear up and we'll be better off. I think it is about bravery when you're asking someone not to make any assumptions about anything, because you do have to be brave in asking questions and being in uncomfortable situations and conversations. That is very true, but the reward will always outweigh the fear. And once again, he talks about how we are living in fear. We need to stop living in fear. And if asking questions allows you to not live in fear, you best believe y'all better practice why, why, why in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not even about practicing asking why, but we have to be open to answering the why. Because somebody can ask me why right now. If I'm not in the mood, I'm not going to answer it. So that's something, too, we do have to work on. In the last two chapters, he does talk about how to incorporate these agreements into your life. And I thought those were so interesting in the Toltec Path to Freedom. He says, the dream of the planet is just a dream. It is not even real. If you go into the dream and start challenging your beliefs, you will find that most of the beliefs that guided you into the wounded mind are not even true. You will find that you suffered all those years of drama for nothing. Why? Because the belief that was put inside your mind is based on lies. And it is important for you to master your dream. That's why the Toltecs become dream masters. I think that goes back to which ones we believe this world needs more. We do need to master our, our dreams in this world. And we do need to master how we see each other. And we really hope that this podcast has made you guys think of this book and also of your relation to other people and to yourself because this book is not just in relation to other people i would say it's more about your relation to yourself and your relation to other people it's a supplement it's a lot about inner healing mm -hmm. we can't fully interact with people in the right way or fully engage in people if we are still damaged ourselves mm -hmm. so this book makes you really focus on what do i have to do what should i do how should i handle this before stepping out into the world one of his solutions was a third solution is called the initiation of dead the initiation of dead is found in many traditions and esoteric schools around the world we find it in Egypt, India, Greece, and America. This is symbolic death, which kills the parasite without harming our physical body. When we die, symbolically, the parasite has to die. This is faster than the first two solutions, but even more difficult to do. It made me think about ayahuasca. It says, we, we need a great deal of courage to face the angel of death. We need to be very strong. 
I think of ayahuasca when I think about what he was saying here. And I think in this atmosphere, it is killing our ego. It is killing our need to be the center of the world and to think that the world revolves around us and everything is happening to us instead of for us. It's doing all of that work. That's an interesting comparison. You're bringing up that scary drug. Oh my goodness. I know we just talked a whole lot about not living in fear, but I'm afraid of that. (laughs) (laughs) Now it says, now it's up to you to choose what you believe and what not to believe. You can choose to believe anything that includes believing in yourself. And that right there is brought it home to me. All of this book is just for you to believe in yourself, for you to believe in your experience, for you to believe in your living. Live and clear up that fog. Yeah, live well and clear up the fog. It's going to take some time. He mentions it throughout the book. This is not an overnight process. Mm. It may be a year from now when you finally understand what it means to not take things personal. It may be three years from now when you finally understand why you shouldn't make assumptions. Mm. I read this book a year ago and I'm still learning how to be more impeccable with my word. So all this to say, just be patient with yourself if you were to try to take this guide. And he says it, it says, we need the same amount of power to change an agreement. We cannot change an agreement with less power than we used to make the agreement. And almost all personal power is invested in keeping the agreements we have with ourselves. That's because our agreements are actually like strong addictions. We are addicted to being the way we are. We are addicted to anger, jealousy, and self-pity. We are addicted to the beliefs that tell us, I'm not good enough. I'm not intelligent enough. Why even try? Other people would do it because they're better than me. Ooh, when I read that, I said, you're absolutely right. It is an addiction that we have to these domestication agreements that have been placed upon us. But as he said repeatedly in this book, repetition makes the master. And as Kim said too, repeat, do your best. You fucked up, do it again. Practice. You're not being impeccable today. Call yourself out. You know, I talk shit about old girl, my bad. My bad. <laughs> might not do it again tomorrow. I might. But right now, I'm taking accountability. <laughs> and that's absolutely right. If we can be masters of this negative stuff, we can be masters of the positive things too. Mm. So another way to flip your way of thinking. If you can be pretty confident in the fact that you can't complete this project, you can take that and flip it around and look at you. You got a whole project done. So again, it's about tricking your mind. Well, not even tricking your mind. Just changing your way of thinking. Yeah, shaping your mind. And I love when he said, you can shape your mind just now. You can look at the trees outside, the grass, and you can see love. The first time I heard that in the audiobook when I was reading it, I remember looking outside my window and looking at the leaves and thinking that and loving that, falling in love with the fact that there's greenery around my home and it's moving on its own and it's growing on its own. And it's here to help me breathe better. I was in love. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was so interesting that in this, some part in this chapter, he compares our dream sickness to infected wounds. And because we don't see each other with infections on our skin, we're not graceful with each other. And if we were to see each other with infected skin and our emotional damage and our psychological and our physical damage that we have endured, we would be more kind to each other. We would say, oh, wow, you're sick. I see that you're hurt. Let me ease your pain by being impeccable with my word, by not making assumptions, by not taking it personally and by doing my best with you because I see that you're hurt and your hurt is my hurt. 
So I thought that was very interesting and it really layered the ways that it matters. This book matters. The practices, the teachings of this book matter. I know we have people who are going through things and we tend to want to judge and look down on them. But at the same time, that can easily be us tomorrow. We have to know how to be more compassionate with each other. Stop sending each other poison. I don't want your poison. Thank you. <laughs> and that's when you cut it off. Yeah, or that, redirect the conversation. <laughs> I will say what Don Miguel Ruiz said. That's enough. I will no longer be the big judge that goes against myself. I will no longer beat myself up and abuse myself. I will no longer be the victim. All right, what I've been telling people too, when it starts going down a path of a not so healthy or not beneficial conversation, and there's a lot of opinions being thrown around, he says it in the book. My opinion is just that my opinion. It is not a fact. Mm -hmm. So when having conversations with people, when I feel it's going down that direction of being a little bit too arrogant or trying to say, I'm right, you're wrong. It's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm telling you how I feel. He brought up the idea of forgiveness. I struggle with this idea of forgiveness. And when he said, you will know you have forgiven someone when you see them and no longer have an emotional reaction. You will hear the name of the person. You will have no emotional reaction. When someone could touch what used to be a wound and it no longer hurts, then you know you have truly forgiven. And he talks about forgiveness as a way of accepting who you are and what you have gone through in your experience. And that is how you incorporate the four agreements into forgiveness as well. And I think that is so important. I really believe that the four agreements are fundamental pillars to all parts of life, not just self-growth or healing or relationship talk to ourselves, your self-esteem. I think it goes in all aspects of life. And I definitely agree with you. Now that I've reread it, the first time it was audiobook, but now that I actually read it in front of me, I can agree with you on that. Ooh, I love when he says the truth is like a scaffold. The truth is painful because it opens our wounds, which are covered by lies so that we can be healed. These lies are what we call the denial system. It's a good thing to have a denial system because it allows us to cover our wounds and still function. But once we no longer have any wounds or any poison, we don't need to lie anymore. We don't need the denial system because a healthy mind, like healthy skin can be touched without hurting. A lot of people like to suppress things that have happened in their life and says, oh, it's out of sight, out of mind. But you're having an unhealthy mind. Your mind is infected with wounds and poison because you never healed them. You never opened them back up and put some whatever it is you need to put on, on a scar to make it heal. <laughs> Iodine? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> This book really drives it home. Like also at the end of the book, he did include some prayers. And these prayers, I felt like it was almost like a hug. It was a way to bring it all in. So we're going to go ahead and share one of the prayers. Kimberly's going to read it. I am going to read the prayer for freedom. Before we jump into the prayers in the back of the book, there is a section before the prayers that talks about heaven on earth. And it's about having a new dream. I know we all go through things in life and it has effects on us, but it's about having a new understanding to have a new dream have a new dream of being on heaven being in heaven on earth and it sums up all the four agreements we want to have a heaven on earth we are capable of it and that doesn't mean have all the money have all the glory no what it means is you are practicing these four agreements and creating a life that you are happy to be in and if that means you got two cents, okay, don't take it personally. You got two cents. You still have something. And that makes me feel great. He says, suffering makes you feel safe because you know it so well. Well, that's 
that's being accustomed to suffering. We don't want to suffer. And the only way that we can change the suffering that we have gone through is to try to rewrite these agreements that we have been putting in our head. Our Bible in our head is there. Change them up, shake them up, rewrite them. It's a real quick chapter, and it's just the idea of, like you said, it's not about material things, just being peaceful within yourself. You can have all the money in the world, but if you're not living right, then you won't feel peaceful. Mm -hmm. You can have all these fancy materialistic things, but then still go home and battle with your inner demons. So it's about having a peaceful state of mind to have a peaceful life to go with your material things if you have them or want them. Yes, or want them. If you want to manifest that, then you surely can, but be happy first internally and understand how the world works. Understand your mirror, understand your fog. The last section, prayers. Kimberly, would you like to tell us about it? Prayers, real small section. It has two prayers in the back, a prayer for love and a prayer for freedom. Both very enlightening i will say that my favorite one is the prayer for freedom however i can use both on a day-to-day basis he started reading the prayer for freedom it really hit me it really hit home for me and it felt like he was praying over me and i felt his energy in that space so i will love to have the listeners listen to that prayer for freedom today creator of the universe We ask that you come to us and share with us a strong communion of love. We know that your real name is love. That to have a communion with you means to share the same vibration, the same frequency that you are, because you are the only thing that exists in the universe. Today, help us to be like you are, to love life, to be life, to be love. Help us to love the way you love, with no conditions, no expectations, no obligations, without any judgment. Help us to love and accept ourselves without any judgment. Because when we judge ourselves, we find ourselves guilty and we need to be punished. Help us to love everything you create unconditionally, especially other human beings, especially those who live around us, all our relatives and people whom we try so hard to love. Because when we reject them, we reject ourselves. And when we reject others, we reject you. Help us to love others just the way they are, with no conditions. Help us to accept them the way they are, without judgment. Because if we judge them, we find them guilty. We blame them, and we have the need to punish them. Today, clean our hearts of any emotional poison that we have. Free our minds from any judgment so that we can live in complete peace and complete love. Today is a very special day. Today, we open our hearts to love again so that we can tell each other, I love you without any fear and really mean it. Today, we offer ourselves to you. Come to us. Use our voices, use our eyes, use our hands, and use our hearts to share ourselves in a communion of love with everyone. Today, Creator, help us to be just like you are. Thank you for everything that we receive this day, especially for freedom to be who we really are. Amen. Amen. Domingo Reese, thank you for creating this book. Thank you for having the bravery, the willpower, the anointedness, the light to make this book happen. To me, it has personally affected me. It will continue to affect me. It will transcend my time on this planet. I am so grateful for this book. I'm very grateful that she introduced me to this book. I have been telling others about it and I have found that in many ways it has made me a different person. I believe so too. Amen.
So there you have it. The four agreements. There is a fifth agreement. I haven't read it yet. I think Ooh, you have. I have. I have read all of them. Actually, there's <laughs> another book too by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. called The Five Levels of Attachment that really, really, really is a supplement to this book. So listeners, if you guys want to, go read that too. Slide into our DMs. <laughs> or just search on audiobook. I saw The Fifth Agreement at Barnes & Noble. So all that to say, read the first four. There is one more. Him and his son have many great books to help you really want to transform your life. And if you are a type of person that's tired of living in chaos, tired of thinking negative, tired of having others place so much burden on you, these books is something you should really look into. Guys, and if you are tired of your shit, go read this book. Because the only way that we can change the world around us is for us to be tired of our own caca. And this book really allows you to see yourself and see the caca that you have produced and to clean it up and doing your best. <laughs> We have some episodes left to bring our audience before the season one is over. However, I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. You get to listen to it now. We'll talk about it some more. We may even bring up the fifth agreement in season two, but we're glad we have this for you. We're glad to bring this book into our first season. Like I said at the beginning, we would not be Kim and Jay and the Soul Sisters Sunday podcast without centering this book so we are very happy to have this part of our first season and i hope you guys are able to tell us what is your favorite agreement what is the hardest agreement that you have faced and how do you overcome your challenges in your agreements let us know continue to work on yourselves continue to engage with us on our instagram we really appreciate it and until next time move in love Follow your passion, read the four agreements, and we'll see you next time. This episode is being brought to you by Soul Tribe Publishing House.